market. The S&P. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that invests like a woman and is proud of it. I'm Andrew Page, and with me, Mr. Scott Phillips. G'day, Andrew. G'day, fools. That's an ominous start, but I'm trust you're going to save me from it at some point. I am going to do my best. Mate, it was International Women's Day uh, throughout the week. It was. So I thought, what uh, uh, an opportune time to honour the women in our lives. Excellent. And the women in our industry. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely talk a bit about that, but also, what happened to volatility? You saved that nicely, just quietly. How, what do you mean? You're getting better. <laughs> Ordinarily, a start like that, I would have to stop it and restart the podcast, and that's pretty good. As far as listeners know, mate, this is our 15th <laughs> attempt, attempt at the start. Mate, that's why that's why you don't ever show them behind the curtain. That's right, yeah. exactly. So volatility, it was a pretty big deal not that long ago, mm-hmm. and it's all gone. So what's what's up with that? Um, also, as I said, International Women's Day, the sorry state of the finance world there. As I said, there are... There are, uh, we've got a lot to be thankful for for the women in our lives, but there's just not enough of them in the finance industry, and it's a great shame, and we'll talk about that. Uh, also, when politicians attack the economic benefits of tariffs and immigration, or not. And, mate, we haven't talked about it for a while. What's but that? We're bringing Bitcoin oh, back. Bringing it back. We're going to have a, a quick JT style. Bitcoin. Up. It's just completely fallen off. Um, the, off the, the public agenda, but uh, we're not going to let go of it that, that easily. Um, and we'll do a bit of bow bag as well. How does that sound? We've got a very busy show. Let's we do. It. Let's get on with it. So, mate, at the start of the year, we had a... Uh, how much did the market fall in a couple of days? It was close to 10%. Yeah, so, was to it was 8 or 9%, I think, at least in Australia, and pretty close to 10 in the US. So what, what, they, what they call a technical correction. I hate that term. <laughs> Why do you hate it? Because well, why does the market only ever correct downwards? When the market goes up ten percent, we never we never have ten percent correction true. up, right? So the yeah. kind of idea of like over time the market you asked your fault. Okay, just as Andrew okay. Well, fault. No, I thought it was when worth the market into. when the market so the market goes up more than it goes down, mm-hmm. right? Over history, the market goes up. Mm-hmm. If anything, a correction should be when it goes up back to the usual trend. Right, right, right. Why is it only correct downwards? It's just it's bizarre. There is no term for ten percent rise in the market, but a ten percent fall is a correction. Like somehow, uh-huh, we got smart and the market fell again. Well, there's, there's, there's your mission for the week. You need to coin a phrase or term that refers to a 10% uh, quote-unquote correction on the upside. An up-rection. An up Whoa, let's move on from that very quickly. <laughs> so what, what happened, mate? How come it, it, there were headlines written? There were, there were furious uh, We'll all be ruined, said Hanrahan. Yeah. There was the, what happened? Where, where did it go? Well, so here's why we want to talk about this because – where did it go is one question. The other thing is just a reminder that at the time it was all anybody wanted to talk about. We mm. had letters, we had tweets, we had people not exactly running through the streets, but you know there was there was concern in the headlines about how bad the market was, how this was the beginning of the end. You know, all it's, the you know it's stuff. serious when you when you watch the news and finance leads the bulletin. <laughs> exactly. Normally it's just before the weather or something. And I'm, I'm going to tip they went with X billion dollars wiped off the market. Oh, you got to love that. How good is that? That sounds so much better. That's that's what the sub editors get a day. Something off. went down three <laughs> percent. Fifty billion dollars wiped, wiped off, off the, the market. market. That is that is much better. That's when the subby gets a day off. It's like oh, I've already got the headline, guys. I'm going for lunch. Right, right. Um, so the, and the thing was that you know, so early February, non, U.S. non-farm payrolls mm-hmm. came out. U.S. bond yields went from two point eight five to two point eight nine percent or something stupid. And all of a sudden, the market lost its collective mind. I love right? I loved that term. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it alive as long as possible. Bond Kano <sighs> was the term that was thrown around quite a bit. Just quietly did after the pump dump or. Trump, the Trump dump. Well, yeah, you know, I haven't got a good track record with with uh, with. Bonkano. You, you, you go with Bonkano. I wasn't mine, by the way. I'm just a fan because I think it's ridiculous. 
So here's the thing, right? That was the story. The story was it was such a big deal. It was all over. It was a terrible, all the stuff that was going to go mm. horribly wrong. This was the harbinger of doom, all that kind of good stuff. The market got really, really overexcited and then kind of just went back to normal. And I think that's probably why it's worth looking back on these things. So at the time, we will say in this room, mm -hmm. hey, guys, don't worry. It's just volatility. It happens. And some of our listeners will go, yep, we know. Others will go, well, you would say that, wouldn't you? Or, <laughs> surprise, but, mate, I'm, surprise, but I'm seriously yeah. freaked out. Yeah. I think it's worth looking back only a month later and going, you know what? That kind of was, that, that, that was what happened. And so next time this sort of thing happens, yep. remember back to this podcast and say, that's right. The guys said it was going to happen. It happened. We all got over it. That's what markets do. That's kind of the key lesson from the volatility. Uh, devil's advocate here. Oh, so here is, is it a little bit too soon to sort of say, ha-ha, you know, market got its knickers in a knot about nothing? I mean, as you say, it's a month later. Right. Who, who knows? Things could crash 40% tomorrow. Yeah, and they could. And, and that's always been true. In fact, there have been people waiting since 2008 for the next recession, right? And if you've right. been out of the market for 10 years, you've cost yourself a very, very large amount of money. So, yes, there will the next crash will come, and we've said many, many times it is coming. But trying to trying to jump at each possible reason for it, each possible start of it, eventually we'll be in this room saying, don't worry about it, and we, there will be that recession, mm. right? Or there will be that market slump. Mm. And we'll be wrong, and I'm happy to be wrong because I've been right the other 45 times, and overall, that's the kind of story, right? The, the uprection that I'm calling it. <laughs> See, we can, all, call we, can all, we can all have a term. We can all have a term. That is such a terrible the term. Up, no? <laughs> no. No? All right. No, 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 if I have to explain to you <laughs> why no, then uh, we're in trouble. I don't understand. Don't you? Okay, no. well, I'm not explaining it. <laughs> so when you're up reaction. <laughs> but that's so that's that's the thing, right? So you know, the market will go up more than it goes down. Mm. It will occasionally slump badly, like the GFC. Mm -hmm. um, but investing during that is kind of the point. There'll be a heap of false starts. And if you were to jump out of the market at every possible false start, you would cost you'd almost never be invested, firstly. And right. secondly, it'll cost you an absolute fortune in terms of missed opportunity. I like to use an analogy of Does it involve the word up reaction? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Okay. <laughs> Man, that's just so wrong. I, I like I like the um, I like the analogy between climate and weather. So let's say you're building a house, yes, and and maybe that's uh, an analogy I'm for building a portfolio, erecting a house, yes, erecting yes. a house. Um, man, we've just gone very juvenile very quickly. This you took podcast. us there, dude. You took us there. You took us there. What are you talking about? I replaced the I replaced the syllable with core with up, uh, and you've taken us in a different direction. Anyways, you're erecting so, a house. So you're you're building a house, right? And in what do you do? You kind of look at the general climate. Mm -hmm. Now you might be doing it in northern Queensland, where right. it tends to be pretty hot, pretty sunny, and occasionally say, by the way, a bit of a storm. Yep. Our, yeah, thoughts to our North Queensland listeners who are going through a horrible, horrible. Uh, absolutely, yes, yes. So we absolutely. hope you guys are doing okay. Yes, definitely. Um, uh, so you know, does it mean just because it's normally really, really hot, and that that you should be building a house that is designed for very, very cold weather? Does it mean that you can't have very cold weather there? Is it in fact inevitable that you will at certain points in time? And I think that's why it's a good analogy for the market is that the market climate is one of generally really great long-term wealth creation, right. but you are going to have some pretty torrid weather along right. the way. Okay. And, okay. and you know, maybe I'm torturing the analogy here, but I, I think I think the distinction is clear. It's, it's, it's all sort of rain and sun and wind mm -hmm. and all of that kind of stuff, but there's a longer term sort of pattern and there's shorter term uh, differences. I do like that idea. Just because just you have a cold day in the middle of December doesn't mean you're not in the middle of summer. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. I like it. Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. 
mate, International Women's Day. Yes. Um, Thursday the 8th. Uh, yeah. And I said it was a bit of a sorry state of the finance world. And the, just the, it's one of these industries where it is really male dominated. Right. It's a real sausage party, if I can if I can say it, in our industry, which is a shame, right? And you're worried about me taking you in a strange direction with upbringing. It was always going to go there. So, so. <laughs> Okay, the first question is why? Yeah. Why are there a bunch of dudes in finance? Why are there not more ladies? Oh, look, I mean, I could speculate and I'm, I'm happy to because that's what we do on this podcast. Mm, yes. um, uh, you know, the, to some degree, the world of finance has been characterized by a whole lot of traits that are considered masculine. So risk-taking and making big bets and kind of talking a, talking a good game, out there selling to clients. Mm -hmm. Those are generally, and these are horrible, horrible just stereotypes and generalizations, but those are traditionally considered masculine traits. Um, and so the risk-taking nature of you know, trading floors, of brokerages, of all that kind of good stuff um, has tended yeah. to come with a male flavor. And, and so to some degree, those who are hiring are looking for people probably like themselves because they themselves probably got promoted because they had some good results doing all those sort of mm, things. Mm. And so you end up with this kind of weird scenario where it becomes very, very male dominated. And because of that kind of broad culture, and again, we're horribly generalizing, it tends to be pretty unfriendly for, for women to join the industry because of that, yeah. A, the people we're looking for, and then B, the culture that tends to predominate, at least at least traditionally in these mm. sort of areas. Um, it's hard, you know. It's, it's tempting to say, well, things are changing, you know. We're not like we were 50, 60 years ago, and that's probably true to some degree. Mm. Uh, but the numbers then still don't suggest that that's actually changing in a material way, and there's still way too many blokes and, and not enough women in the ranks of the finance industry. Beyond just for the, you know, balance uh, argument, what really I find surprising, and there's a lot of really good research that supports this, is that um, women tend to be much better investors. Yeah, exactly. And um, because they lack all of these horrible right. masculine um, characteristics right. you know, of the arrogance and the ego and mm -hmm. the rest of it. So mm -hmm. um, this is true outside of finance, but certainly true in finance where, where women tend to be much more consultative. So it's, you know, I like this business, but what do you think mm. about that? You mm. know, let, let me engage with you. Let me get a different perspective. Let me really take that on yep. and, and weigh that up. As a, a guy's like, no, 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 I'm right. You're wrong. Yeah. And let me show you why. Um, uh, women are all, almost always better at admitting mistakes mm -hmm. as well. As mm -hmm. guys will just never, ever admit that they've made a mistake. Uh, and again, yes, that's a really, really important characteristic. Yeah. And the list goes on and on right. and on we, and we, on. Feminine, tra so feminine traits of patience, for example. Oh, yeah, of, patience and other um, yeah. Of being slow to act rather than impulsive and kind of mm. taking, the, taking the flyer, taking the risk. Um, there's a great book actually published by one of our former staff in the US. So um, probably a bit of a slight conflict here. So so I'm calling it out now. Um, Warren Buffett invests like a girl. Oh, that's a great book. book. Yeah, and yep. and it goes through that. The, the the traits that have made Buffett, you know, a, a very very good investor are those traits that we tend to associate. And you've been through. You've just mentioned mm. most of them. Um, tend to be tend to be female traits. And in yeah. fact, Fidelity, the big fund manager in the US, mm. did a did a, a review of all of its accounts and found that women's results overall were about 0.4 percent per year better than blokes. Yes. And that seems like a small amount, but you compound that over 20, 30, 40 years. Yes. Um, women, you know, both in terms of the traits that are traditionally feminine again we won't stereotype everybody yeah but those who who show those feminine traditionally feminine traits yes tend to invest better and women themselves as a group actually do according to fidelity at least have a better result in their investing so there are some lessons there i, I know there's a you know there's a 
we, we had on our Facebook page some people saying, oh, that's sexist. You can't say women are better if I said that about men, da 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 um, I'm happy well, to engage a, with that. A, sort of, a bizarre yeah. perspective from social media. Who would have, who would have thought it? <laughs> a very thoughtful. Yeah. But, but, but the point actually was, even if, even if that was all true, which is not, mm. the data actually speaks for itself. And so you can, you can rail against it. You can, you can, you can label it with whatever. Um, we're not apologising for anything. We're not trying to be politically correct. This is just the simple reality. And the lesson here is, if you're a woman, take a greater role in your own investing life because you're probably going to do better than the blokes in your life. Yep. And if you're a bloke, have a think about that and realise that if women are doing it better... To, in terms mm-hmm. of the data and in mm-hmm. terms of the traits, there's probably something in there for you as a, as a bloke, as an investor. If you can adopt some of those traits, you're probably likely to do much better. I mean, I'll give you a little bit of a, a hack, uh, a little bit of a life hack, if you life will, bef- that, that I tend to use before we move on. You've been on uh, social media too long, haven't you? <laughs> definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying, the kids are saying it, so I'm trying to, trying to be cool. Yeah, in the past we've been, here's an idea. Trying being the operative word. So <laughs> so um, I, my lovely wife, um, we've been together for a long time. She's just not an investor. She doesn't she doesn't find it interesting. Mm-hmm. She rolls her eyes when I start talking to her. She's very patient. She's <laughs> Fair, that's probably less about investing than about it's you. It's probably personally. more about me yeah, than investing. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's not. Now you say it. It's like almost every topic she does that. Um, but but I have this. I have this wonderful because well, look, it's it's all our money. You know, we, our finances are all together. And I have this this not so much a, a rule, but this thing that I like to do is before I buy or sell anything, mm. I run it past her over the kitchen table. Nice. And it's because she doesn't have um, uh, this huge amount. Like sometimes you can get too close to stuff. Yeah. And, and and she'll say, she asks all the sort of obvious questions, but all the good ones. Like, okay, well, why do you want to buy that? Why do you think that's good? Yeah, yeah. Why is why is now, why do you have to buy it now? Do, do you really need to buy it now? Or is it something that could wait a month? Or To be fair, are we talking about, about stocks here or the last computer game that you want to buy? Because <laughs> the, the, they're probably the same It happens a bit with computer games, I'll admit. <laughs> really? And, and why do you want to buy that now? Really? Honey, it's great. You're a grown man and you're, <laughs> okay. Um, but I think it's, I, I really think it is, it's, it's that, yeah. it's that idea of if, you know, if you've got, um, a, a better half in this life, involve them in the conversation. They will bring yeah. a great deal of sense and rationality to, to the discussion and they'll make you a better investor. Smart. I like it, mate. Get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Okay, I mean, let's um, let's get political. Oh, now, this geez. this is always dangerous. I'm hearing right? Libby Newton Johns. Let's get physical in my head now. That's your fault. <laughs> let's get political. No, 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 no. That was only you, by the <laughs> way. That, that was no one else. Um, uh, so, so the, the the reason I always hesitate with this is that you you're almost certainly going to like half your audience mm-hmm. is just going to hate you all of a sudden here. So we have to put a whole all bunch of a sudden. Of- more than normal. I, I, figure, I figure by actually being being slightly partisan here, we'll actually bring some of them back. Okay. Of the seventy five percent people that normally hate us, half will come back to us. That's a win. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm just I'm just I'm just prefacing it, and and <laughs> you're scared. And aren't you? We we have to. I am a little bit because you know we've we've got our views, but yes. you know um, politics is all about the art of compromise, and 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 you know <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of sort of if you've got a good argument, you know reason will will speak for itself, and and unfortunately these things can delve or, uh, uh, devolve into sort of shouting matches but we sort of wanted to it's in, it's in the news a, a lot at the moment because mr trump's out there talking about tariffs and there's a yes. lot of people who are scared about trade wars and it sort of brought all of this back into the headlines mm-hmm. and so we thought well actually we do a money podcast maybe we should talk about that as well right and the, the latest thing is with steel and aluminium um now it looks as though this law that he's about to sign australia may well be exempt from but let's imagine that it wasn't why 
Why is a tariff... Well, actually, let me go back a step. <laughs> Explain... I love to do this because I throw you the hard ones. Thank you. Explain to me what a tariff is. A tariff is a way of adding effectively price to an import mm -hmm. to make your local goods seem more attractive by comparison. Like a tax? Kind of, yeah. So, yeah. But it's, a very, it's, it's effectively an import tax yep. applied to a certain class or type of product mm -hmm. um, based normally on a political slash policy decision that you want to give your own industry a leg up at the expense mm -hmm. of the imported product. So there might be something that you could import much, much, much cheaper. Right. Um, everyone's going to, like price is obviously a very important signal in the economy. Yes. Why buy the locally produced one when you can get it from, say, China or somewhere like right. that at a fraction of the cost? So the easiest example so is... So you want to protect your industry is the, is the big one. Right. The easiest okay, example well, is cars in Australia. So for, for the longest time in the 70s and 80s, we had very steep tariffs on imported cars yep. because the Australian industry couldn't compete unless the, the imported product was slightly more expensive. So what do you do? You up the price of the imported cars. That means you can sell more Holdens and, and Fords in Australia, made in Australia, based on effectively the price difference or now, lack thereof. Now, um, again, I'm trying to tread carefully. We've actually touched on this topic before. We have. We, we both came down to the to the to the point of view as like, well, fantastic, go with the cheaper one. And it yep. sounds horribly insensitive. Yep. Um, you know, why wouldn't you want to protect local jobs? Why wouldn't you want to protect local industries? Surely it makes a great deal of sense. So look, you're, you're... And that's what Trump's trying to do, by the way, yeah, exactly. right? With, with the steel industry over in the US. You're much more uh, uh, careful and gentle than I am. I'm going to blow up your entire intent of, of being too careful. I was careful. hoping you would. I was hoping you would. <laughs> Which is only to say that we don't have a political view on this one in particular. In fact, for what it's worth... Both parties in the US, for example, other than Donald Trump, are actually arguing for tariffs not to be introduced. This is kind of a one-man ban from Donald Trump. And so if you... A thought it, bubble, perhaps? <laughs> you think? Yeah, I don't know. Um, a tweet at 3am. I <laughs> uh, was watching Fox and Friends. Anyway, oh back, to, uh, back yeah. to the topic. Anyway, so not this partisan, is thing. Not partisan. It's, it's not a... Um, well, that's the thing, right? So it's not, a, it's not a partisan question. It's a question of the economics of tariffs simply don't add up. And that's that's where it's challenging, right? It's a really... Tr if. If you're not particularly a policy wonk, and I don't think anyone's ever accused Donald Trump of that, mm. um, it's very simple. And the common sense approach would be, hey, I can protect local jobs by making the imports more expensive. Mm -hmm. We'll sell more Australian cars if I put a tariff on imported cars. Yep. We want to protect local industry, therefore it's a positive. And that mm -hmm. makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. the, the challenge with tariffs, and this is why the economists need to kind of be able to win this argument in a, a war of ideas, mm. is that tariffs are one of those policies that have, and this is a bit of a little bit of economic jargon, a little bit of kind of um, a concept with a kind of a nice little name. It has what they call concentrated costs, but diffuse benefits. Mm -hmm. That is, let's say, and so the, the car industry in Australia is a classic example, right? We've now effectively got rid of all tariffs and all Australian manufacturing has gone. Yep. There's very concentrated costs for the couple of car companies mm -hmm. and for the couple of thousand workers, and they are real costs and real impact on those people. Definitely. Very concentrated costs, though, because it doesn't hurt me, it doesn't hurt you, it doesn't hurt the other 24 and a half million Australians. Mm -hmm. just hurts those couple of thousand employees of car companies mm -hmm. and some of the suppliers that supplied them. Mm -hmm. So that's really concentrated costs. The difference, though, is all of us are now going to pay 1000 1200 bucks, 1500 bucks less per car. Mm -hmm. So... More per car, you mean? If, if no, they're sorry, but less now the tariffs are gone. Oh, oh, right, okay. Yep. So now, now the cars we're buying from overseas are now cheaper. Mm -hmm. We don't really ever kind of say, oh, I, my car, you would have cost us 36 grand, now it costs 34 grand. Mm. I'm going to give the government a big tick. Or I love this no tariff policy. You don't see it because it doesn't come off the price. It's not like we say, well, here's a tariff discount you're all of a sudden saving because of no tariff. Mm. So you don't really recognize that. But every Australian who buys a new car over the next decades, literally, will pay less because there are no tariffs. Mm. That $1,000 you save, you're going to go and spend it on a holiday, on a new computer, on a manicure, on a new pair of boots or shoes, on, on something else. So mm. that money goes back into the economy in a different way. And rather than buying just one car, you now have one car 
and one iPhone. Yes. Or one car and one computer mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And so one car and one more holiday. Mm. And that's real economic benefit for you because you now got two things where you would have had one before. Yep. And it injects money back into the economy. And this is the, well, this that's is the, the problem. that's the thing with, with uh, international trade. Is, right. it, is, is it's not uh, someone wins, someone loses. Exactly. The, the idea is, is that everyone is better off. Well, everyone on average yeah. is better off. Is we more, we, we get more phones. We get more Chinese-made phones. Yes. And in return... More Chinese tourists come to Australia, not as a one-for-one, one, yeah. but the fact that we don't have any tariffs on education, mm-hmm. on tourism, sorry, and we have no tariffs on phones mm. means we get the best of both worlds. They get the best of both worlds. We're all better off as a result. Here's the way I like to think about it. So Australia could get into the mobile phone manufacturing game. Yes. And we just wouldn't be that good at it. We don't, we don't, we don't have the various cost advantages and the scale and right, the rest of right. it. So, but we can build them in another way, which is by digging up a bunch of iron ore or mm-hmm. growing a bunch of wheat, chucking it on a boat. The boat goes off into the ocean, and yep. it magically magically comes back with that wheat and um, and and iron ore and all the other stuff we export magically turned into the things we want. We use what we have as a comparative advantage. We have really good quality minerals um, in, in our in our earth. We we are really good at, at farming. We are we are good at a whole bunch of stuff. So why not focus on that? That other people can't do, yes. and use that to mag- using the, the magic of the capitalist economy to turn that into the things that we want at at a price that we could never achieve ourselves. Exactly. So we can have one expensive bad phone and cheap wheat. Yes. If we only have Australian made products. Yep. Or we can have a cheap, good quality phone and good wheat and money left over. We look at a lot of the sort of um, ex-Soviet bloc company uh, countries where they you know they tried to yes, exactly. do everything themselves. Right, right. They had everything, but that was all of a really poor standard. Correct. You know? Correct. So look, I, you know, I, I get the politics, and we don't we, we try desperately not to be political here or even partisan. Um, we try and lean on good economics and good theory. And the, the simple reality is that there is no serious economist who thinks that the economy is better off with tariffs. Now, you and I have both said in the past, and we would say again, we absolutely believe, or I certainly believe, I'm sure you'd agree with me, in in, in good quality support for those people who are displaced because of trade. Oh, yeah. So let's not car, throw them on the rubbish. Right, Definitely. Exactly. So we're not yeah, saying those yeah, people don't sure. matter, their jobs don't matter. What we are saying, though, is we're better off helping those people adjust to a new economy rather than artificially propping it up and going back to Soviet-style protectionism. Well, the, 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 the savings that we make in the economy, we can do it. Here's some retraining. Here's some, right. here, here's some compensation. It, right. it, it is, we, we're absolutely helping these people out, but also helping ourselves out at the same time. You know what, before we move on, what I find really interesting about all of this is that economics is what you'd call a soft science. It's not like physics where I can do a double-slit experiment or something. I can just prove you know, categorically that the electron has these various properties. And then you can do it, I can do it, Liam can do it. We can do the same experiment. We always get the same result. Economics, the social sciences, are a little the humans are involved, so it's it's not so black and white. But Spoken like a true science major, dude. <laughs> I love you. Got to love science. You got to you got to love reason and rationality. Oh, here we go. All the biases. Mate, I've got out. Elon Musk on my shirt right now. You do because because I'm a tragic and, and I will take a photo and we'll tweet that out on our on our Motley Fool account just for those who are, who are following along. Save us, Elon. You're doing it right now. Yeah, aren't but you? keep. I am, but keep talking. Uh, 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 what my point was is that we actually have a whole bunch of test tubes. So this isn't some stuffy-nosed professor having a discussion uh, in a lecture hall somewhere, having a debate with with someone else who has a different ideology. Right. We have decades and decades and decades of real life. Other countries that have tried these things and they just didn't work. It's like we, we, we've ranted before on this this notion of um, which, unfortunately, is coming back a bit in the states of trickle down economics. <laughs> You know, it's it's one of these things that at a certain level you kind of think, yeah, I get that. But we have, we don't have to rely on theory anymore. We have real world examples, many, 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 many examples over a long, 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 long period of time. And you know what? 
it just doesn't work. Correct. So, so we have we have data that supports this, and I think when it comes to tariffs and these kinds of things, we we we're always you know there's always going to be a little bit of ideology uh, in there. Yep. But at the end of the day, when you can when you can support your argument with a whole bunch of data, it sure helps. You know, it. real money advice from real people, not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche. Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Bitcoin. (laughs) Let's talk about Bitcoin. Shall we? Well, look, it's just so fallen out of the public consciousness, which is a good thing, I think, um, on balance. I think you don't have any. um, (laughs) Well, well, um, I I generally like to talk about it when it's it's been falling. Don't you? You generally like to talk about when it's been going up. So I said to you this morning, mate, we haven't (laughs) talked about that for a while, under the false assumption that (laughs) that it actually been falling a lot, but it's come back up a bit. Well, it depends on on kind of what day you've looked at it, right? What's your 100 bucks worth today? 100 bucks today is worth a $160.11. You're up 60%. Speak, I know. Oh, that's that's really disappointing. You know what's All funny? right, let's move on. I mean, I, I care so little actually don't check between podcasts. It's the podcast I go, I wonder how much the Bitcoin's worth. <laughs> I wonder worth. what it is. Yeah. So, but, but I did check at one point. Um, so it was 130 bucks last time I think we chatted about it. And I think I checked at some point during the week for some reason. I can't remember mm. why. And it was up to 200 bucks. Like, great. Hey. And then it's now down to 160. So it depends on what day you ask. So really. it really fell from the start of the year through to February. Like it yeah. went down I want to say 50% at least, it went to 20 odd thousand to maybe even 9,000 or so. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and so it's back up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, about 13 odd thousand Australian bucks. So it's doing okay. Oh, look, uh, again, is, we've, we, 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 we spend too much time on it. It's, it's, a, it's a bit of a sideshow. I, I, I just, I just wanted to, I only wanted to bring it up because I thought it was still down a lot, not down as much as to make me happy. So let's move it on. It makes me internally happy that it's up still. Motley Fool Money. For more, go to fool.com.au forward slash triple M. How are we going for time? We've got time for a few mailbags? Let's do mailbag and let's finish up. All right. So we got uh, a a bunch here. I wanted to uh, give a shout out to uh, Alex uh, Lindblad Mm -hmm. uh, at Alex J. Lindblad, B-L-A-D. Thanks for listening, mate. He's actually, he makes the point. He lives in Germany and invests in the US. So naturally, (laughs) he listens (laughs) listens to us. Uh, We'll take it. There's going to be better podcasts he can listen to, sure. Don't tell him that. All right. Um, So, But he asked an excellent question, which is, will you describe the mechanics of share buybacks? Are those shares out of the public market? Market? What happens to them? Thanks. Um, thanks for your comments. So, nice. what, what, let me do this. I'll take this one. All right. So, a share buyback is when a company buys its own shares, mm-hmm. um, and then after it buys them, it tears them up. They yes. they cease to exist. Right. Now, why would a company do that? You said you were taking. Okay, yeah, here I go. <laughs> I'm happy to answer. You want to? You well, do? so the, the shares are the, current, the, are the currency w- with which we deal with when we're buying. We're not buying the entire company. We're buying a, a, a representation of the company. Proportional ownership. A, a proportional ownership. So if uh, we were going to buy, I don't know, uh, Woolworths, and there were 10 shares, and I owned a share, I own a tenth of it. Now, let's say Woolies goes in and buys back five shares on the open market. This, mm-hmm. is, this is, it never happens to this extreme, but just to keep the example nice and simple, yep. all of a sudden there are only five shares left. Now, yep. the company is the company is the company. Yes. It's got the same earnings power as it did before I did the buyback, except now there's only five shares representing that value. So if I did not participate in that buyback, that is, if I didn't sell my shares back to the company, my shares are now worth twice as much. Right. And that's why companies do it. It is a means to, they will say we are returning capital to shareholders, which I've never really liked because they're really only directly returning capital to the people who participated <laughs> in the buyback. That's true. But they are they are returning capital back to investors in the sense that they are giving them an increased proportional ownership. Right. Sounds like a good idea. And I think that is a good idea. Tell me why. 
Well, it's a, well, I, it, it, like like all things investing, it's it's sometimes a good idea. But if I'm left with more of what I had before, that's got to be good, right? Well, look, there is there is a scarcity problem and there's an there's an opportunity cost problem. Mm-hmm. Just to get a little bit nerdy for a second, and <laughs> and the reality is is that a company only has so much money with which to spend, right? And it can do a bunch of those bunch of things. It can reinvest in the business. It can buy another business. It can pay a dividend. Or it can buy back its shares, mm-hmm. uh, or it can repay some debt. That's they're really the main things you have. Is if you're the CEO of a company, what are you going to do? Right now, your duty is to uh, maximize return for shareholders. Mm-hmm. That's that's what you're paid to do, for better or worse. And so, buying back shares can sometimes, in fact, more often than we'd like to admit, can be <laughs> a horrible, horrible, horrible decision. Yes, because it may be that paying down debt is the better option. It may be that paying a dividend is a better option. Even if you assume that there, there is an excess amount of cash and you want to return it to shareholders, even then buying back shares can be a really, really dumb idea. And that's because, like all of us, when we're buying shares back, we need to consider the price of those shares. Right. So just to stick with the example, uh, Woolworths has its, its pros and cons. Let's not get into that right now. <laughs> but I, I, I'll pretty happily state for the record that shares aren't worth $100 each. Mm-hmm. But let's say that the market just got in. We got in a huge you know, uh, euphoric bull market yep. and, and just shares just got there. Yep. They, went, they went all Bitcoin on us and they got to $100 <laughs> each. And the company said, hey, I'm going to buy back some shares. Right. Well, that is a dumb, dumb use because they now have to spend a lot more money to buy back the same number of shares and that is going to the the, the concentration benefits so the opposite of dilution is going to be far 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 smaller do me a favor and yes. say all of that in a concise nice easy digestible I'm way going to do my best here I'm going to turn it into the economist and investors favorite analogy which oh, yeah. is pizza there you go pizza. it's always pizza so let's say you've got a $20 pizza mm-hmm. and let's say you and I go halves mm-hmm. we've got 10 bucks slice yep. each, right now if I know that pizza is worth 20 bucks mm-hmm. It's objectively worth 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. At least that's the price on the market. Yep. If I said to you, Andrew, I want to buy back your half. Mm-hmm. If I gave you 50 bucks to buy back your half of pizza, yep. then I cost $20 for the full pizza. I'm, I'm, I'm dudding myself, right? Stupid. So I'm costing I'm costing my shareholders, in this case, it's just me, but I'm costing yep. you more money than if I use that money for something else. Yep. But if I said to you, hey, I'll buy back your pizza for nine, your half for nine bucks, mm. then it's a good deal for me because I get the whole pizza for 19 yes. rather than 20. And so I'm actually adding value to the pizza owners yep. in this case it's just me but that kind of idea is, is where it comes from so think about many many slices but that's, that's the, the reality is still true the company buys back a mm-hmm. slice mm-hmm. redistributes the value of that slice amongst the rest of the owners they'll get a bit more pizza you've just got to make sure you're paying a decent price for that ideally you want to pay less than the market price or less than the real value of that pizza yes if you're paying too much for it then it would have been cheap to go and buy another pizza rather than buy it back the stuff speaking of pizza and I, again i don't want to go too far down the rabbit Please hole don't. here um but uh, domino's is yes. buying back its shares and has has had a little bit of a program there in place for all the whole story that we should really touch on um yep. in a future podcast um but I, I would argue that they are doing it at a price that's probably not sensible there, there are better uses for that capital yeah. I, I especially I, I think it is true of growth com- companies that have a lot of growth opportunities like and you, if you're going to get a good return on investment by opening up some more franchises mm. or doing whatever you're going to, for God's sake, do that. Don't, don't, don't give us back the money. If, if you're going to be able to get a 20, 30% return on investment, it's far better than most of us are ever going to be able to achieve um, reliably. So I, I think that's a good example. And you know what? There's, there's a, a wonderful sign of a CEO who, has, who is a good capital allocator, which mm. is really what a CEO's job is, yep. is that they, do the, they, they play both ends of the spectrum. Right, exactly. When shares are really, really, really cheap, they buy 
buy them back mm -hmm. because existing shareholders are really enriched by doing that. Yep. When shares are really, really, really expensive, they do the opposite. They issue new shares. Right. It's a great way to, you know, if Woolies was at 100 bucks, the CEO should be like, actually, hey, we're going to sell some more shares on the market. Not, not new shares. They're going to put them out there and they're going to get $100 for every share that they get. So let me use my pizza analogy. If it's $20 pizza and you come to me and say, Scott, I really want to buy half your pizza for 15 bucks. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, of course I'll yeah, sell you. Yeah, Absolutely. take it. I'll give exactly. you some more slices. And yeah. if I can buy it back from you later at five bucks, then I, I win both ways. It is such a, a beautiful thing when you see. And that, in fact, if you're looking for it to, 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 to uh, measure the quality of a CEO, mm -hmm. there are some people out there who have just have wonderful examples of doing exactly that. It's right. a very, very, very prudent use of capital. We're not going to go into it now, but I am going to say, just for the record, and just to add a bit of spice to the end of the conversation, I completely disagree with you about the Domino's example. Oh, yeah? If the company is actually worth more than $40, and it may well be, yes. then it actually will end up being a very good use of and capital. And that, that is the question. Right. So I, I, question. Think, I think we can assume just because they're buying back shares at X dollars, or even because they've got growth opportunities elsewhere. I didn't mean to say necessarily that. I 100% agree with you. No, I'm not saying, I'm not saying yep. it's necessarily right. But if this company goes on to deliver some of the upside that it might, yeah. if the shares are eighty dollars in a year's time, this will have been a masterstroke to buy them back now. If the shares are twenty dollars in a couple of years' time, then it will be too expensive. Total waste of money. Yeah, and that's the thing, mate. I think we better wrap it up. We, I'm, I'm, we were going to do a high horse, but the biggest disappointment there is we miss out on the sound effect. Can we have it anyway, Liam, just for the sake, of... just just to make me a little bit happier. Having yeah, said that, simple, we're man. now going to wrap it all up. <laughs> <laughs> Settle down, Winks. Settle oh, down. Oh, dear, oh, dear. So thank you so much for listening to us. We always enjoy your company. Remember, we do wonder why. Too. We do wonder why. But we, but we appreciate different it. Different strokes for different folks. And if you like the podcast, tell your friends. Tell your friends. If you don't like the podcast, tell your enemies. Tell your, just, just keep it to <laughs> yourself. Tell somebody. No, no, uh, tell your, we want them to listen. Oh, okay. So oh, nice. If they don't like it, tell your that's, enemies. That's so. why you're the marketing uh, <laughs> genius and, I, and I'm not. Um, genius is a very loose term. Give us, give us a nice fat five-star rating. Please do. Tunes and uh, or your favorite podcast, or your favorite podcast app. And uh, if you want a bit more foolish goodness, you can always go to www.full.com.au/slash triple M. Nice, there you go. Until next week, full on, full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.